My name is Zakir Mohammed, and you are listening to the Living Legacy Podcast. This weekly podcast features women of purpose sharing stories of resilience. They are wives, artists, entrepreneurs, they run businesses, and here they will share their stories of how they overcame obstacles and how they're juggling it all. If you're ready to learn about professionalism, entrepreneurship, business, travel, life, and love, you're in the right place. You will hear real and raw stories of survival. Now it's your turn to be inspired to step outside of your own comfort zone. I am a cancer survivor, brand cultivating strategist, world traveler, and a professional photographer. I'm your host of the Living Legacy Podcast. Let's get into it. In today's podcast episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing Debbie Wheeler and Osika. She is married to a Nigerian man, and they both live in Texas. Her journey of immigration started back in 2011 with her first Nigerian husband. So she was 51 years old when she married the first time. And they were married for a little while. Things were good. And then things were not good. So she ended up filing for him. So that was her first time really learning how to file for um, an immigrant. So long story short, uh, he got married to someone else. And later on, years later, a friend of hers introduced her to her current husband. So now she's been married since May 15th, 2015, and she too had to file for him. So both time for both husbands, she stayed in the country of Nigeria for six months, um, which we'll learn later on that it kind of sort of does help the immigration process. And of course, it adds to a travel experience. The filing, her filing from the interview to the whole, well, from the filing to the interview took 10 months. And at the time of the filing, she was 56 and he was 30. Sure, I know what you're thinking. Oh, what a huge age gap. How do you know that he's not trying to use her? But she'll talk more about that. And she came, you know, overcame all the red flags that it came with immigration. So um, based off of her experiences with Nigerian men, with the immigration, she is now a visa guru she is a <laughs> heaven sent <laughs> so without further ado i want to introduce you to the woman that also helped me to make it through sanity through my own immigration process debbie did i do it right yes you did perfect i don't have anything to say now <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for being here we gotta we gotta dive into it you know because there are so many easy misconceptions yes about immigration about the immigration process so mind i guess let's take it from the beginning tell me about the steps you took to file i guess for both of your husbands well um for both of them i filed the i-130 which is filing for an immediate family which is a spouse the first one i have filed and back in filed in 2012 and it I mean, and it was funny because it was like about 12 of us Nigerian wives in a group that all filed within a month of each other. And it was like gangbusters, you know, and we were all going through. I mean, some of us were getting approved in 30 days and 60 days. The I got approved in three months and then everybody took off to NVC, which is the National Visa Center. And I was still at USCIS, and that's what started me starting to learn, because I really didn't know anything. I really, now, we're going to have to break down all the abbreviations oh, yeah. for those who have no idea. What that's is USCIS? That's a, USCIS is the national, you, you, United States, 
States Immigration Center for Immigration or something. Oh, God. Okay. United United States. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay. I'm going to Google it. Go ahead. Keep talking. (laughs) But USCIS, for for people who want to know, USCIS is Department of Homeland Security. They're that body. They're the ones who adjudicate, which means review your application to make sure really they're looking at do you have all the paperwork there to even file? You know, are you worthy? You know, is the petitioner an axe murderer or something like that? And actually, axe murderers can file and bring people over. So, so they they're they're making sure they do background checks to a certain point and make sure that the petitioner is petition ready to petition someone from another country. They kind of look at the evidence, but they really, really, they do not care. Really, they don't. And they kind of peruse through it. They approve you and they send you off to your next step, which is the National Visa Center, which is in um, Port Cart. Where, where is it at? Uh, um, up there in Maine, um, New Hampshire, sorry, New, New Hampshire. And what they do is do more processing. They're the Department of State. So here we started with the Department of Homeland Security. Now you're going to the Department of State, which is the world. They're the ones who make sure that the world is acting right. You know, the embassy, they're in charge of all the embassies and all that kind of stuff. So they get the application and now they're, they're going through, they don't do any background checks. They're basically, the, the National Visa Center is just a document gathering facility that gathers everything that they need to get your petition package ready for an embassy. Interview. And this is also the money side of it. This is where yeah. they, they really gather the More money. Fees. Yes, more fees are being paid, more documents. And, you know, things have changed so much since we filed. Everything is uploaded now. Nothing has to go I'm through so the mail not anymore. Used to that. You know, I did have you know? to, um, you know, thank goodness my husband and I are finally done with the process. But for the last <laughs> process, the last, I feel like it is technically the last step of it, citizenship. Mm-hmm. That's what we had mm-hmm. to do. We literally uploaded everything. So thank goodness nice? I, <laughs> thank goodness that, that I, so you know, already take pictures of everything. But I was like, okay, this is uh-huh. weird. Am I sure I don't have to mail anything? <laughs> I'm telling you because I'm just like I was telling somebody I go I go man I go just the police reports and sending things across the ocean and then you find out that like people in Russia it's against the law for them to send any kind of documents like that out of the country they they risk being in prison sending out their birth certificate sending out police reports to America to get a visa and it's like Wow. Yeah. You know, we're putting vibes wow. at risk, you know? So it goes through that once you get all those documents together and, and, and complete your form and stuff, then you sit there and you wait for your embassy to give you an interview and then a scheduling interview, I should say. Then when that interview time comes, then you start doing some more processing. Some, you do your medical, you get, you know, your papers work together and get all interview ready to go stand in front of a CEO who's already made up their decision anyway. And then you hope to get a good result, which is an approval, which means a visa in your passport in about two weeks. So you can come be with your loved ones. Now, let's rewind a little bit. Approximately how long? Because it sounds like, okay, cool. I can get through with this in a year. Now, now we want a little bit. Now, approximately how long does it take to go from, now that I Googled it, the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services to the National Visa Center? Um, right now, depending on your service center, but right now, like if you're in Nebraska, Nebraska literally is at 12 to 15 months just at that stage. Normally, like I had said earlier, the first time I went through it in three months, the second time I went through in five months, five months, 
used to be the precursor, now Potomac, which is in Virginia, they're about five months. California, about eight or nine months. Texas, same thing, about eight or nine months. Unfortunately, I don't know what's going on in Nebraska. I don't know what happened, but I don't know if they laid everybody off or something. But yeah, 12 to 15 months, and that has even gone to there's actually a lawsuit has actually gone to court. It's been on the news. It's been, it, they, they, I mean, they, they have had a congressional meeting about it going, what is going on USCIS? Why are you holding up these I-130s one, and the I-485s and the citizenships? They, they were put to the fire. Why are you taking so long? Well, Especially I think in a way we kind of know why. Let's, let's talk briefly about there is ICE, I call it. I just. I call it ICE. ICE. I know they, mm -hmm. but I call it ICE. So, because <laughs> I mean, it's. it's okay. I mean, they are ice cold with it. But anyway, so immigration <laughs> and customs enforcement, and then of course, Mr. Orange. Once Mr. Orange came into office, that's oh, when yeah. it really slowed down. Mm -hmm. Because what does he want to do? He wants to have a certain number of immigrants from a certain country come in, right? So, um, let's see. Your man's from Nigeria. Mine from the Gambia. I have a lot of friends who I've helped with the immigration journey along the way, who are from Ghana. And so mm -hmm. all these countries, well, not the Gambia, but a lot of the countries in West Africa are what they call high scam countries, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And, and I, you know, it, N-400s, which is a citizenship petition, every presidency, it's always either fast or it's slow. And it's like, for some reason, this administration thinks that I guess new immigrants are all going to be democratic. And he'd be surprised, especially like here in Texas, how strong the Latino community is for him. And, you know, I mean, you know, and it's not that everybody's going to vote for him and stuff, but it's like, just let the petitions go through. Because it, it's unheard of that a citizen should have to wait one to two years to just to get through a first step that used to take three to four months, you know, I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. So I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with all these lawsuits and everything, but they, they're supposed to start trimming, trimming down the time stuff because the whole process, I remember I used to tell people expect 12 to 15 months for the whole process from filing to interview day. But now you're looking at almost two years now, you know, I mean, like one of the wives said when she filed, they were five months married. By the time he gets here, they'll be over two years married. And it's like, and unfortunately, you just don't know. I mean, processing times, as you know, ebb and flow. The, the, you know, you, you can't swear on it. it. It comes and goes. You know, today, today, like I told somebody, one thing about in the service center, today, the focus might be I-130s and getting immediate family over. The supervisor can come out tomorrow and say, just like how Obama did during his presidency with DACA, you can say, put all your I-130s in the box. You're going to now focus on waivers. You're not going to focus on fiance visas. You know, I mean, so it's all about the priority of that particular service center and what their focus is on. And so it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in about now the summer's over. So the focus isn't on visitor visas and student visas and business visas. Now the shift will go back to media family and it'll be it should start picking up a little bit. Hopefully. Hopefully. Now, hopefully. what? Um can people kind of keep track of the processing time that change all the time? 
they need to go to uscis.gov and they can pull up the particular petition that they're that they have filled out and it'll show the processing times of the service center that they're at and it kind of gives you a um a kind of a timeline on what they're looking at and it'll also give a date on if you're before this date if you're if, if you file before this date then you can file a um a what's going on a request on what's going on why am i a service request why why is it taking so long if you haven't got to that date yet you can't it, the system will not even allow you to fill out a request it will say you're not even that process you're not even there yet they they they've changed it quite a bit you know and stuff so it's like uh, no you're not that's why they stopped also the info pass that now you have to go call them to make an info pass appointment because they said too many people were just going online making info pass appointments for stuff that they could do online you know well you know going there and make info pass just to ask why is my petition taking so long you could have you could have called somebody really you know because again the last bit of what i have from the new immigration phase with the citizenship is or there's you create a login like in own in an app the USA CIS has an app now. You log in, you keep track of that then and there. Of course, they can also send you email and text alerts if you choose to sign up for that. Yes, if you register, like I have three different apps on my phone. There, that that you know that three different ones that just keep track of my my two petitions that I have, my removal conditions and my citizenship, and that they're kind of handy. And one of them is actually kind of wazzy because it keeps sending updates like every hour <laughs> to everybody and of course you know when you hear that ding you're like you're i know like, oh that let's insane. talk about that let's talk about the emotions of the immigration process oh gosh look i i always tell people when you're at uscis when you file you you file and you're like who i filed and you know you just want to know how long is it going to take and da 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 and you just you think you got it all together and you can't wait to go to nvc and then you, you get approved and your stuff goes to nvc and it's like all knowledge and everything has left your brain and you're like what do i do next you know you see you see people post it all the time what's the next step you know like are you kidding me you've been sitting here a year but it's because your brain just went foggy and you forgot you know and then you get to nvc and then you get your documents together and you pay your fee and you're just you know you're just and i've seen this so many times people now they've submitted everything now they're waiting to get reviewed and then get it used to be called case complete now they call it documentarily qualified now it's called dq now it's not called case complete anymore. So when you so when you so when you get DQ'd now, now it's like people kind of freak. You haven't got your interview yet. Now you're waiting in the interview queue, but now it's sort of like it's getting real now. Now people are kind of hyperventilating a little bit and like like, oh my gosh, you know, I haven't cleaned out my closet yet. <laughs> you know, I haven't cleaned out the drawers. Then you get the interview. Now you got, you know, 10, I mean, aside from Mexico, unfortunately for our people in Mexico it's a nine month wait for an interview poor I, I feel so sorry for them so if they get documentarily qualified today nine months from now they will get scheduled an interview for the next month so you know but everybody else eh, one two three months it just depends every every embassy seems to be just backlog i don't know what happened but then when they get the interview then that's when i notice people start to 
oh my god this, this is real this like he or she's really coming here oh my god. lord have mercy you know and this is it gets real and and this is funny the ebb and flow and and the arguments and get this and you got to do that and you got to do this you better <laughs> you better you better wear that and you you, you better take this you better take this evidence to the this is funny and but then once the interview's over then it's you know they can breathe Exactly. Then, but then, it, then, it, then it gets to the next level. And oh my God, I got to buy a plane ticket. Do you see how much plane tickets cost? You know. So it's just, it's just a high and low. It's not for the the faint at heart. For sure, it never is constant. You know, you got to keep your your brains about you and your wits about you. And that's when what kept me. What one reason that kept me sane was just learning because I love to learn stuff and I just have to know. I don't care if I was to have had a lawyer I would have known more than that lawyer because I just have to know I cannot stand not knowing stuff you know and it always bothered me people who have like lawyers and and consultants and stuff and they're like I don't know where my the lawyer knows where it is I don't know I don't even know my case number are you serious you know I, I couldn't be in the dark like that you know but some people just you know hey I'm paying you all the money for you to worry about it so they're like cool just tell me when to show up and you know that's cool for them you know so you know, until they find out, you know, that they could have done this all themselves. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, just like a, a simple thing is when you get approved of USCIS, your petition goes to NVC. And depending on, and, and now, if, in fact, on the travel.state.gov, you know, when you show the pie chart that shows all the steps of NVC, they now have a case creation timeline. It, it tells you exactly what date they're working on to create case numbers. So people are always wondering, how long do I have to wait after I get approved at USAS? It tells you, we're working on this date that we received, you know, and, it, it, and it'll tell you what date they're working on for people to get them documentarily qualified. You know, we're working on this date of everybody who submitted their documents this received date. So it's like, they're really, I can tell they're really trying to cut down the phone calls and giving us everything they need. Now people need to know how to go to these websites. Okay, that's good. Because information. I definitely remember calling a lot, especially once I got to the NBC phase because it would get delayed. <laughs> now for me, I would say in a way I was blessed because I, I did, we, did, we did have a somewhat of a short timeline. Uh, our timeline mm -hmm. was a give and take nine or 10 months. Also because I learned We'll, we'll talk about this in a minute, but I learned through a website I was super helpful about a medical expedite. Now, before getting to, I guess, the NBC, NBC, let me make sure it doesn't sound like, you know, the channel, the, t the TV channel, NBC. Mm -hmm. um, before I got there, I was like religiously on this website called Visa Journey. We're going to talk more about that, that, how that helped you and how you got started with that. Oh, yeah. And that's where I got started. It's funny. It's like way back in 2011, when after I married my, my first husband and I, I didn't know anything about, I mean, I seriously, I was one of those people who were like, you need a what to come to me out of state? A v what? <laughs> I, yeah, we, we weren't even, didn't even talk about immigration or nothing. So I had a friend who was in Korea as a teacher with, with her at the time fiance. And she was saying, she goes, oh, she goes, if you want to know about um, immigration and visas, go to this site. So I went there and I just started reading and learning and reading. And then that's how I just started. I mean, the, the groups and stuff didn't come 
come until like nine months later. And so I just stayed on Visa Journey and so now I'm a, I'm a moderator on Visa Journey and, you know, try to do, I have two threads that I run every single month. They've been running since 2012. You know, I have the, the NVC filers that we've, every month and then I have the case complete to interview thread you know and we this robust conversation and and it helps us stay on top of stuff when because you know all people need to do is see what's on the news and they freak out oh my god does this mean that I can't bring my husband or my wife or my kids or this and so they come to come to the 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 visa journey groups and they ask the questions and they can get the latest um thing like for instance perfect example is the adjustment of status the adjustment of status is changing October 1st. Now, what's adjustment of status? Adjustment of status is for people who are in the United States and you want this person to have a green card in the United States. What we filed for was when our spouses are out of the country, we're filing to bring them here. So adjust, you're adjusting their status here. Well, now, because most people who watch the news have heard the word public charge means that the government is fearful that this immigrant is going to jump on government aid and they don't want that so now the adjustment of status has a new form and a new addendum that you're going to basically have to swear on your life and all your kids and everything else that this person is not going to is more than the affidavit of support that which is your everybody's financials because everybody has to meet a certain income guideline to bring people over here also so it's just Everything is just, Adam, I mean, the big bugaboo right now in immigration is the public charge and a lot of people not being able, not affording to bring people over. And what, what is, what a lot of people fear is that the United States is going to be like the UK and like Canada and joint sponsors are going to be no more. And joint sponsors, for those who don't know, are is when the, the sponsor, the petitioner does not make enough. So they go get a friend, a family, whoever to to that makes enough money to be a joint sponsor you're telling the government yes i will help support this person well a lot of people are fearful that that's going to go away because a lot of embassies like ghana especially if it's a k1 do not like now k1 we want is the fiance visa is fiance mm -hmm. yes and they've been denying a lot of people mm -hmm. i know somebody who had a joint sponsor that makes over six hundred thousand dollars a year and they denied that application but i told her I think it's because he was too young because I go, this is a 10 year commitment. When you do an affidavit support, you are telling the government, you will help support this person for 10 years. Well, when you're 21, 22 years old, single, no kids, not married, the government's looking at it like, okay, what is the likelihood of this, this 21, 22 year old not getting married, having kids in the next 10 years and highly unlikely. And he's going to have his own family. So his bottom line is government wants theirs when they want there so so you know and every year the conversations always fiance visas will go away that people will have to marry to bring their loved one over here no more fiance get married when you get here that's always topic every single year so because of canada got rid of it uk got rid of it i'm sure i i believe united states is gonna get rid of i it. believe even it though too. i mean even though we personally love watching the tv show 90 day fiance <laughs> it's yes. kind of you know getting a bad rap you know mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. um i think it's also getting a bad rap because that's why there's so many uh that's why there's so much negativity when it comes to having an immigrant or, or, or international love rather because they know that okay yes. in order for the marriage to even happen the uh, an, uh, immigration a visa has to be filed and so 
a lot of, you know, understandably, a lot of parents, a lot of siblings worry about their family member who, you know, taking on the, the risk of an international love. Like, okay, how do you know he's not just family? Because, sure, yeah, even though it's, it, there's a 50-50 chance that it's genuine love, but there's a 50-50 chance that the person just looking out for themselves. How are you liking the Living Legacy podcast so far? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. This episode is brought to you by Patreon. If you would like to continue hearing weekly original content, please consider donating and becoming a patron. All pledge levels provide funding for content creation for the Living Legacy podcast and video series. Pledging will give you immediate access to all content. Pledge whatever amount you're comfortable with. This is your chance to support the brand and all that will be creative out of the success of this podcast. Visit patreon.com forward slash living legacy. Thank you. It's a big risk, and especially with a lot of these family members and friends are signing on the dotted line without even meeting this person. And like I told somebody, I'm going, think about it like it, because I go, you're basically co-signing like for a car. Think about co-signing for a car and you don't know nothing about what they bought. You just, somebody just handed you things, say, would you co-sign for me to go get this car? You don't know if the car is new, old, whatever, but you say, okay. And it's like, but it, but it's a 10-year co-sign. You know, most people would run for the hill, say, I'm not co-signing for no car for no 10 years. No, I'm not. You know, I mean, it's too iffy. And then that person that says, asked you to co-sign, they don't work. Now, now, now that even makes it harder because you're like, so if you don't make your car payment, that means I got to make your car payment. Hmm. You know, so that affidavit support is, 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 you know, is very, very, very iffy. And especially with the statistics going up more that a lot of people are coming over here for the, because, you know, people talk about the 90 day, you know, fiance thing, you know, you have 90 days to get married once you get here. A lot of people aren't getting married. A lot of people are going their separate ways. A lot of people have used the the fiance visa just to get their foot in the United States and never even saw their fiance. You know, you live in Florida. I live in California. You never saw me, but I got here. You're like, I don't know where they are, you know, and stuff. And that's happening a lot. I've been seeing seeing a a lot of that. I've seen a lot of denials where they're like the – the seals like, I don't even think you're getting married in 90 days. I've seen three just this week in Ghana that they all got denied because the CEO said, I don't even think you guys are getting married in 90 days. So nope, go get married and then file. Uh, let's talk about those situations where they've been, they got married here in the year, they've been married and then come time for their tenure because the phase of the green card is two years and then 10 years, right? Come time for the, the renewal of the tenure card and whoopsie, there's a surprise, I never renewed. <laughs> Okay. Okay. First, for for those listening, just to give you some history, when you when you file for somebody, and if they enter the United States before your two year wedding anniversary, they're going to get a two year green card. If they if they enter the United States after your two year anniversary, they get a ten year green card. Same thing as for people who file for somebody in the United States, if they got approved before their two year anniversary, they get a two year green card. Otherwise they get a 10 year green card. So now, so you get the two year green card, which means in 21 to 24 months, in that 21 to 24 month window, you have to call, which is called remove conditions because that two year green card is called a conditional 
residency. So now after two years, you have to fill out an I-751 removal of conditions, send in some evidence to show that you are really living the happy life. You don't have to be happy, but you know, live the life together. Show your you've been filing taxes together, hopefully, living together um, in the same house, filing, doing bills together, and you send that in. And unfortunately, because it's taken so long, it's taken about mm, about a year, 12 to 15 months. I, we're on our 15th month and we still not. Okay, that's where you are now, and, uh, you said. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so you, you wait and you get approved. You get approved, you get a 10-year green card. Some people are pulled in for an interview. Some people aren't. Some people have gotten visits. And then like how you said, I'm, I'm in a group right now with removal of condition people. And more than half of the people in the group have already filed for divorce. That means that these are people who have not even been married for some not even hardly, well, at least two years. They've been married two years and they've already filed for divorce. One couple, they said they filed for divorce after nine months and he, now he's filing for his removal conditions. It now, I guess the I guess you the immigration figured that this would be an issue one day, so they knew people would get divorced yeah, because that's why they established they the two years. Waiver. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And there's a there's a thing on the actual application. It says divorce waiver, where you check the divorce waiver. Now, divorce waiver, you still might be called in for an interview. I mean, most a lot of divorce waiver people aren't called called in. You just you still all immigration wants to know is was the marriage entered in good faith? Did you try? Did you really get married to get married? And because they know. They, they know, especially with, with a lot of the foreign stuff and people living abroad and stuff like that, or even people who adjusted in the country, they know marriages fall apart. So they just want to know, did you enter in good faith? And then you show the evidence, you know, pictures together, you know, bills together and things like that. And you enter it. And many of those people still get their 10-year green card. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's like, wow, you know, it's like, so there's still still hope, you know, for to get green cards and stuff like that. Now. I want to um, I want to talk about this situation. I'm going to see if I can find it. Now there is, it's a pretty common situation. Now the good thing about I would say sisterhood, the good thing about um, Facebook groups is that you can find relatable or even not so relatable posts, right? Stories, stories being told yes. of. This is what I had to go through. How do I get myself out of it? Let's say that. The person is single, been single for a while, but the person, you know, just met, happened to meet, just say, an African because we're both married to Africans. Happened to meet an African. Mm -hmm. He's sweet. He's handsome. He's charming. He's the whole package. But I got pregnant by him, and now he wants to get married. Um, but I don't know because I know his status. is He's not a citizen, but I don't know what he mm -hmm. is. So what do I do? What do you do? Well... When this is when you have to have those conversations when you start dating. This those regular conversations that you have and stuff like that. Someone he tells you, "Oh, I'm from you know Ghana. I'm from Nigeria and stuff like that." Just ask casually, you know, without being Gestapo, but just ask casually, um, you know, so how did you come to the United States? You know, I mean, you don't have to act like, see me, I'd be like, what visa did you come in on? But then they'll know, oh, she knows immigration. So they say, how did you come here? Now they might say, oh, I came here to visit my aunt or I came here as a student. Oh, when did you come? Now, if they sit there and talk about they came here 5, 10, 15 years ago, they're out of status. But we don't have five 
in 15 years. I, because I just read something in the group today. The lady was saying she's 21. She wants to file for her mother. And her mother came here 22 years ago and got pregnant and on a visitor visa. I'm like, she goes, well, I don't know her status. I'm like, she's illegal. We have no 22-year-long visitor visas, okay? So, and I don't think a lot of people, I think a lot of people assume because somebody's here in the United States and they're working, they must be legal. But it's like, those are the kind of things you have to ask, especially if you're thinking of marrying somebody and then filing for them. You need to know their status because it may be for not, you know, you may be filing and all your money's going down the drain. So no, they're, you know, just be honest with the guy, you know, or girl and say, you know, what is your status? You know, how long have you been here? So then you'll know how long is their overstay? You know, have you been here? Uh, I mean, does anything over 180 days you're going to start incurring a ban if, you know, three year, five years, sometimes lifetime. So you need to ask those questions, you know, how did, how did you come here? You know, you know, what, what are you doing here? Do you work, you know, and stuff like that. And hopefully if they're honest, they might be forthcoming because unless they're working under the table, they came here on a visitor visa or a student visa. They're probably working under somebody else's name and social security number. I know I've had my identity taken about five years ago by someone who was illegal. I'm still trying to clean up my credit. So it's a very sore spot with me. I have something on my credit right now. They will not take off. And it's an $850 Sprint bill for somebody in California. And they will not take it off. They just ordered some phones, got the phones, have not done anything, and all in my name. And it's like, really? But, so, <laughs> you know, yeah, so. so, like... For immigrants, immigrants, I mean, yes, getting, moving to a new country is hard. Being married is hard. But honesty mm-hmm. is important. So, I mean, for us, at least, now, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if it's helpful because of the fact that, you know, we, he was married by the time he came here, that he was able to get driver's license, security, social security number, job, eventually build credit, um, you know, at least under, first undermine, undermine as an authorized user than his own. Um, but maybe it's just easier for those who are married because you have that, you know, co-partnership versus if you're just starting out first, just have no credit, no job mm-hmm. history, or not even no job history. Say you may have, you know, gone to school in your country, but it doesn't qualify here. You do have to start over. So mm-hmm. it's... Well, the problem... The problem is with the married, you get the green card. Without the green card, you're going to constantly be looking over your back, whether you're working under somebody else's name or something. You're not legal at all. So you really can't do anything. I mean, I would think that even if you're working under somebody's name and social security number, I'm sure that there's probably a limit. I'm sure they probably can't go get new cars and stuff because you're using somebody else's credit. And it's like, if you're using my name and social security number, no, you can't go apply for no credit, you know, and stuff. And, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, so you're you're really limited, and you do have to look over your shoulders because I mean, as we saw in the news, look at the raid that happened in in Louisiana, six hundred people, and they said all those people were working under somebody else's name and social security number. They were using employees that were there that were U.S. citizens and double di- double dipping. So this is happening in all over the place and stuff, and you know, and 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 it's a close knit community. Yes, they were working, but you can believe that those people were working every day in fear for something like that to happen because they're not legal. So until you're legal, I don't care whose name you're working on, you know, and it's just so easier 
to just find somebody, get married, you know, hopefully it's for love. And even if it's not for love, if you just be upfront with somebody, you could be in for love, but still, I still need my papers, you know? I mean, that's a, and that's a, and that's the thing that many people have to look at when they're going to relation. When you ask those questions, you know, do you want to be associated with somebody who needs that? You know, what if, what if you get married to this person, you file for them and on interview day, here comes eyes like what happened to my friend. They were married a couple of years and he, and he had been here like five years illegally. I mean, uh, overstayed, didn't go back on a student visa and stuff like that, had their inter- adjustment of status interview. Everything went great. The CEO even said, you know, everything's great. I, I, want an, I would approve you and stuff, but I hate to tell you, but ICE is here for you with an arrest warrant. They arrested him and with 30 days, he was back in... Did he go back to Gambia? Senegal. Back to Senegal, just like that. You know, and, and and that's one thing that I've told many women. I go, some of you women are meeting these guys that have been here a long time. They're the people that the president's looking for a long time because he's looking at his like, oh, you don't even care about our laws. You've been here. I may be different if it was an overstay like six months, a year. But when you've got, jump, jumped into the 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you've just said, Pfft bump you America. Okay. I'm only getting married. Like my friend who works at USCIS has said that filing for people who've been here illegally has gone up 400%. You know, it used to be, you know, just everybody just left it alone, but everybody's now scared now. And she goes, most of the, 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 the petitions that they're getting are people that have been here illegally at least five years, some up to 30 years, been here illegally all this time working illegally living illegally and, you know and they said some of these people are paying tax well they're not paying tax with somebody and some of these people have a social security number you know you could with 50 bucks you can buy a social security number you get 50 bucks somebody will top you up a nice social security number now it might be that new baby that was just born at you know the memorial Hermann downtown houston but hey the baby ain't gonna need it for 18 years and that's how they do you know, I mean, you find that little bank of numbers and they add those last four numbers because everybody can find the first five. You just add those four. They do that. Op- I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, when my, my friend was at USCIS showed me. I'm like, I don't even see how you even catch folk. I mean, it's amazing, you know, because I remember the day when when immigration would come knocking on your door, you know, be like, you know, is Bob there? Okay. My friend, my friend, let's put it this way. Back when I was 20, living in Seattle, a friend of mine married somebody from Guam and paid her $40,000. They wanted me to marry his cousin. They're going to pay me $40,000. No. They kept coming to her house. They came there twice and he wasn't there, of course. They said, we're going to come back in 24 hours. He better be here or you're going to jail. She, he got there, but she still went to jail and had to pay $45,000 fine. And he got deported. And I was like, that was back when immigration didn't play. Now they're trying to get back to those days, you know, because I've noticed a lot of people have been talking about immigration, been coming to their job, been coming to their work. And these are American citizens they've been coming to, not people who are illegal, because they're, they're saying there's just too many people marrying for pay, marrying for whatever, or people get married and people go their separate ways from jump. And so they're trying to stop that. So, and, and that's good because the real couples, the real people who really are in love and want to start a family and life here and, you know, they deserve not to be so scrutinized because other people want to play games, you know? So I mean, that, would, yeah, that's actually where, where I wanted to go. What advice do you have for those who the love is real, but you got that hurdle of immigration? What is your advice for those, for those love, lovers? You, 
they're the ones who when be if you haven't filed yet that's where the word front load comes front loading is putting all your quality evidence up front it used to be a day and the day was like um back in about mm, 2010 2011 you know they used to tell everybody just bring everything to the interview you know bring bring all your evidence to the interview well now we're in a w world where like a perfect example is lagos nigeria on a given day because they have so many people going for visitor visas there's three to four hundred people waiting outside for an interview they do not have time to go through your 10,000 pages of chitty chats and I love you's and oh I miss you they're not ready for that so we put our what we do is you you put your evidence up front one when it goes to USCIS that means it's approved so that means the embassy has to see it once they receive it plus like I tell people what do you want in that CEO's hand at the embassy you know a year down the road what do you want in their hand for them to render you an approval so you want to put your quality evidence up there in their hands and like in my case like you had said at the beginning both husbands I stayed with six months I had to overcome the age barrier so I lived with him not just go there get married because I got married on our first visit and it's funny I got married 21 days after I divorced the first husband even though he said he divorced me two years prior but he never gave me any papers so I had to divorce him and 21 days later so it looked like like but I did an explanation I wrote a divorce divorce timeline and I had that sucker on the very first page so they could see oh wait this woman's been through some stuff so they could see that but I but I and then I came back after I filed and then six months later I went back there and stayed six months until the interview was over but that was and they knew I was there they knew they, they even asked my husband and they were saying that's really nice that she's there and those are the kind of things that you need to overcome um, because nothing thing overcomes visits face to face is what they want to see and then face to face people is not skype okay or zoom face to face is in okay face to face is in person real time living is this like how so many people have found not photoshop out? like i know it's so easy for people to man i'm going to talk about that i know it's so easy oh. for couples who all long distance they will photoshop oh here's me here's him but that's not the same background they need to see that y'all were both at that club, that house with the family. Living together, arguing like regular people in the same space, getting on each other's nerves. That's what they, you know, that, that that's when it's the real deal and stuff. So there's so many things to help people over that. And that's the biggest thing to, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of really to overcome red flags is time together you know, to extend that vacation. Unless unless you're blessed, like I know one of the ladies, I think she's a flight attendant, but she goes sees her guy every single month. Well, of course, everybody doesn't have that luxury, you know, and, and, the, and the embassy knows too, as Americans, we don't get 10,000 weeks of vacation. And yeah, if you, if you don't work for yourself, you don't have a lot of, a lot of money, yeah. Yeah, because I know when I first went, I took a month off and only only two weeks of it was paid. The rest of it was not paid. But sometimes you got to make those sacrifices. You know, I mean, if somebody's a teacher, like some teachers get the whole summer off, go stay with him for the summer because that speaks volumes, you know, and stuff. So those are the things that you do, you know, visits and long visits if, if you possibly can. The visits not only help if you do have to file for immigration, they help your marriage. Yes. Yes, because I know for me, living with my husband, like we were just talking about this the, the other day, I'll go living together in the same space for six months really, really helped mold us and shape us and test us and everything. Because I never really, really lived with, with anybody. So it's like, wow.
this is what it's like we're living with the man but it's so different than living with your brothers or your father you know so it it really really tests you and and for some, i've known some people have done it like i don't know if i can do this you know so it is it, it's it's good you know and stuff it goes beyond the culture and the food and the this it's just you and me in the same space you know you get on my nerves or we get it fine. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> I don't want to so, eat that. I don't, I put my clothes here cause I want to. <laughs> I don't feel like eating right now, you know? So yeah, you know, and, and so th that's what I would say is visits, make them long if you possibly can is, is the key, you know, m m be with the family, you know, really spend time with, with his family village or wherever they're, they're living and stuff like that. Mom, Tom, his mom, his, their dad, you know, whatever, you know, the family, you know, because a lot of people don't realize because it is a cultural differences and, you know, people sometimes don't realize that these CEOs that are at these embassies live in those countries. So they know the culture too. So they know, and especially if you're with an African, they know African parental approval means everything, you know, means everything. I know a woman who was in her fifties and the CEO wanted to know why wasn't his parents at the wedding. And it was because they didn't invite the parents because they were afraid that the parents wouldn't approve. So they didn't even tell the parents about it. And the CEO was like, well, that's not cool. You got married. You haven't even told the parents. He was, and, 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 and he said the CEO was actually kind of offended. Like, how are you going to get married? Come all the way here, get married and not even tell his parents. I mean, and he's saying this to the man going, how you not tell your parents? You know, and he goes, well, I didn't want them to, you know, get upset, blah, blah. Like, how you think they're going to act now? <laughs> you know, after you've met them, you know, and so they were actually denied and it took a long, long time. It took about two years. It was a mess. It was a real, real hot mess. It was just like, wow, you know, they had to jump through a lot of hoops to prove that their their marriage was strong and real and this and that and stuff. So, you know, you got to overcome those hurdles and stuff. But yeah, time with the family means volumes, too. Now, thank you, Debbie. This has been amazing. You definitely know what you're talking about because you've been through. You had to <laughs> go through what you had to go through. That's what I say. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And it's like I would tell people. How I learned about immigration was was for me to heal. After my first marriage fell apart, instead of me, you know, after I pulled myself up, I just dove into learning about immigration because I wanted everybody else to have a happy ever after. And with every approval, with every, my baby's coming home, my man's coming home, help me heal every single day i mean to this day i still stay up late at night since overseas is six eight ten hours later to get that text to get that call we got approved debbie i still stay up with people when they tell me i know people's interview dates and stuff and i follow right along with them because it's something that my pastor used to always say you have to be happy for the very thing that you're asking God to bless you with that you haven't got. Even those words, so you have to be joyful, and I am. And that's why I do what I do, because I like people to be happy. Where can we find you on the web? How can we pay you to services to help us get these visas? Oh, gosh, I haven't got my website up yet, but I do have, um, you can send it to Debbie L. Anosike. Actually, you know what? You can send it to send it to my, my, my company email, divinevisaconsultants at gmail.com. It'll be official once we get it up. It won't be a Gmail, but it's divine, D-I-V-I-N-E, visaconsultants at gmail.com. Now, is that going to be 
the social media handles? Is that also the PayPal and Cash App? It's going to be PayPal. Okay. PayPal. Yeah. PayPal. So that way, you know, your stuff is protected and everything, you know, and it will help you walk you through things, talk you through things, you know, stuff. It'll be all good. I, I mean, I do know my stuff. I've gotten two lawyers disbarred because of they're malfeasance, so you know. I'm gonna definitely attest to that too. I mean, by the time I don't even know, by the time I figured out that it was you <laughs> in the Visa Journey group, I had I think my husband was like on his way here. I don't even remember. I think I, I finally what was helpful for me was obviously following the timeline from the same embassies of my husband country of the Gambia. So following finding other, you know, Gambian white because there's not that many of us because it's such a small yeah. country. So by the mm. time I figured out it was you. I had been, mm-hmm. my husband was, I think, if I remember correctly, my husband was going to the interview. We were at that point oh. of arguing. I'm like, how do I get him to do this, do that, do that, make sure he does this, do that? <laughs> yep, you were at the, you were at the end. Yep, mm-hmm. you were t- towards the end. And that's the thing that I would encourage anybody that's out there is you are not alone. You will be amazed how many of us are out there. You may think, is there anybody that's here in the United States that's filed for somebody in another country? You might have all the red flags in the world. You may be divorced with 50,000 kids and this and that and everything. Trust me, I can give you probably 10 other people who have your same scenario. You are not alone. You know, reach out, find your sisterhood, find somebody, come to visajourney.com. I'm dwill76. You can inbox me and I'll, you know, help get you the support because one, you can't make it through this journey without some support. You know, find one or two sisters that'll help hold your hand through this. Otherwise you'll lose your mind, you know, and help you help you through this process, you know? So, so, you know, just wanted to just put that out there. You are not alone. Thank you, Debbie. Yeah, that sisterhood definitely helped me because I feel like now that I think back, I had a blog post about it and I feel like I'm going to talk more about it too. But I had I not involved my husband, I, I involved my husband not as much as I should have. But because I had that mm-hmm. sisterhood to keep me going, because I couldn't talk to him about it, because what does he know? He only know what I tell him. But then I have a sisterhood of those who have been through it or are going through it at the same time as me. So that has definitely helped me through the emotional turmoil of, you know, the immigration journey. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Debbie. This has been great. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> you know, I could talk all day on this, you know. <laughs> I know. That's why we're going to send you to your website. We're going <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Living Legacy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, follow, and download so you don't miss the next episode. If you want to learn more, you can visit ZakiraNayar.com. That's Z-A-A-K-I-R-A-H-N-A-Y-Y-A-R.com.